the Lord be with you. Oh, come on. The Lord be with you. This is a prayer by Nina Simone. Let us pray. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Amen. Amen. Um, and you might know it most famously from the animals, but uh, she was the, Nina Simone was the original composer. Um, thought it fit with the theme, though we won't talk about that song. Um, this is uh, continuing with the three-part series this month called Music Questions for the Church. And last time, uh, if you were here, the question was, will someone take Hosier and Sinead O'Connor to church? Because they both came out with songs in the past year and a half or so called Take Me to Church. Um, And um, I was most interested in uh, what Hosier and Sinead O'Connor represent or who they represent. Um, And uh, although the songs say Take Me to Church, if you pay attention to the lyrics, there's a level of... um, contradiction or irony, uh, something like that, um, where they're actually, it seems, at least with Hosier, most explicitly, is talking about anything but church. Um, Sinead O'Connor, um, it seems that maybe she's talking about a community um, or you know, just some place or people who will be loving, uh, where there's a sense of freedom. Um, and maybe she means a, 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 a church that's like that, but maybe she could mean something else. Um, you know, uh, they both would probably say something, something entirely different than I've said, but at least that's where, where I brought us last time. Um, and this is part two, which is, can anything good come from an indie folk revival? Um, um, and that's why I put this funny picture up there. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I feel like his t-shirt says, I listen to bands that don't even exist yet. Um. Uh, you know, my the caveats that I have, the first one, uh, this, well, the second one is that I'll get to is I'm not a music expert. So I always feel like I should, some people say, you know much more than I do to me, but I feel like there are tons of people out there who are really hip to the scene uh, way more than I am. Um, I just have two small children. Um, so I don't have the, the time that I'd like to invest in uh, the subject matter. That said, I do listen to a lot of music, and I'm I'm really fascinated by and just attracted to um, something that at least I'm calling an indie folk revival. I don't know if that's the thing about something hip or indie. Is anybody who's hip or indie wouldn't call themselves that, right? Um, a hipster, like a true hipster, would never say I'm a hipster, because then you've just the whole thing implodes. <laughs> this is a very kind of ironic sort of hipstery kind of t-shirt, um, but a real hipster wouldn't wear that. You see what I'm saying? They'd wear um, some like Megadeth t-shirt or something like that that they bought at a thrift store because that's funny. Or better yet, they'd buy the onesie like that and put it on their child. <laughs> <laughs> but even that might be two years ago. Um, but uh, so anyway, I so all these terms are just, you know, they all kind of collapse after a while if you take them to their logical co- conclusion. But indie is short for independent. Um, and that was true, you know, like in the 1990s. Uh, and still to a certain extent now, but anything that... What well, used to be independent music production... Um, or the the sounds that came out of that have carried on to 2015 and are now not necessarily always produced independently. Are you catching my drift? Like, actually, 
they're being produced by um, record producers, um, uh, but it has the sound that's still living on to this day that has roots in not even just the 1990s, but uh, back to the to 1960s with people like Bob Dylan. Um, and and uh, folk really is more like is you could think again like someone like Bob Dylan, but um, um, or you know like Joan Baez or someone like that. But nowadays um, there's this kind of rock music that's out there that it it it. it um, Gosh, I'm just not an expert, so I'm just these. I'm so I'm terrible at describing this. It sounds like rock music, yet it's reaching back towards something, maybe bluegrassy, folksy, and and this stuff might even be coming from England, you know, uh, or Ireland. It's not necessarily Americans, um, or or maybe kind of a bluesy sound, um, mixed with rock melodies and, and musics, music, and yet there's a kick drum and a banjo, you know. Um, so there's a sound out there that's kind of popular, and so I say revival because it's it's just bubbling up. You know, I mean it's um, it's uh, it's really something that's very popular right now that wasn't um, so much 10, 20 years ago. As much as that kind of sound might have been more underground. Um, so that's your indie folk revival description. You might have a better one than I do. And again, my caveat's the same as last time is that I don't want to with these artists. It's less likely to happen, but I'll just say it. You know, out of the gates. I don't want to psycho psychoanalyze any particular artist based on their lyrics. Uh, I got into a little bit of that. I just, it's so hard to not do that. But um, to the extent that we can, uh, try not to make certain assumptions about the artist based on their lyrics. Because um, what do I know? You know, I'm not a therapist. Maybe you are, um, but you're not their therapist. <laughs> um, and uh, yet. Uh, the uh, and again, I'm not a music expert, but I'm most interested in what music says about culture, um, both the sounds and the lyrics. Not just the lyrics, but the sounds, that folk sound. What is that saying, you know? And where uh, music and culture intersect with the Christian faith, basically. So we're not just here to have fun, although predominantly, hopefully, we will. Um, <laughs> there's an end goal, you know? Because um, I could go teach this class across the street at the library and not talk about Christianity, but we will we'll try to bring that dimension in. Um, and, um, and hopefully, you know, a big project of mine always is how can we look at these things that are out there in the world through Christian eyes um, rather than um, sort of keeping them at a distance and saying that's utterly profane, I want nothing to do with it. Instead, uh, em embracing it for what it is and looking at it with a Christian heart and mind and, and lens. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to do that to a certain extent today. My scripture passage is from Psalm 149, verses 1 through 3, which Kevin Bacon used in the court scene and Footloose to... Uh, use as justification why the, the town leadership should not ban dancing. Um, hallelujah, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise to the con in the congregation of the faithful. Let Israel rejoice in his maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praise to him with timbrel and harp. So there you have it. Uh, we're going to listen to four 
or so songs from the uh, elusive genre of indie folk. Um, and I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna play videos for you today. Last time I played some videos. This time we'll just strictly listen to the words. Um, and we'll, I'll, I'll probably insert a little bit of commentary in between each one, not too much. Listen to the the music, uh, pay attention to the lyrics, and we'll have a question. And remember that the the, the uh, discussion question is, um, can anything good come from an indie folk revival? Um, you might have other things to say too, but at least hopefully that should get us started. Um, the, uh, the first song we're going to listen to is called The Devil is All Around, which is by a, a duo, husband and wife team, uh, who call themselves Shovels and Rope. Uh, and this is their second album called Swimming Time. Uh, and this is the first song in the album. And um, they're playing next Friday at Iron City. And I will be there. And so will Holly. <laughs> uh, this yeah, Friday? Friday? Yeah. And okay. Yeah, they have a song called their their biggest song is called Birmingham, which should endear you to them out of the gates. Um, <laughs> I I, I uh, toyed with this song already in a, uh, a, a sort of imaginative liturgy that I created in December uh, for a service of lessons and carols, and said that this might be a song that you could play after the reading of the fall in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three. Uh, where often you'll have um, Adam lay bounden or Jesus Christ the apple tree. And so think about that <laughs> as you hear this song. When the devil is all around, got you crawling on the ground, on your hands and your knees, with an apple in your mouth, you will know. No. 
I tried to, with each of these songs, there's kind of a motif of a couple things going on. There are some faith elements that come in explicitly. Um, and Because um, not all these artists in, in each song are that explicit, um, and neither should they be, um, but at least in places like this. And, um, and that's interesting to me that with kind of a folk genre, there's a greater frequency of language like this. I think because if you trace it back to its roots, of something like bluegrass, Appalachian mu music, that's what it was. It was it was Christian, old-timey kind of music. And so it's fascinating to me that some of these artists um, probably, some are probably Christian, some probably aren't. And yet they can write and sing songs like this, and their audiences are okay with it. Um, because when I go to Iron City next Friday, not everyone there is going to be a believer, but they're going to they're going to yell out loud. Uh, you know, find my peace with God, you know. Um, uh, it might not sink in. Uh, I, I grant you that. But, um, Question. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I I'm sure that you copied these lyrics. Yeah, just find them online. Um, yeah. But the, the G is lowercase. Yeah, and I, you know, I could bring the album liner notes in here. It might be different. I don't know. Um, okay. I don't know if that was a deliberate because decision. I was looking to see if the word God was used in the other lyrics, and actually in the last one it is, and it's an uppercase. Sure, yeah. So I just wondered. Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's let's keep going, and then we'll um, then we'll discuss. Uh, th this next one is from a group called The Black Keys, and this song is called Sinister Kid, which, believe it or not, this song, ten of the songs on this album, not all of them, but this one included, uh, was recorded at the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. Um, which was basically defunct when they uh, went there. They had to bring in their own equipment, um, but they, they're, they're, they, they're like, there's possibly something there, um, and, and we want that Muscle Shoals sound. Um, and um, you can judge whether or not they achieved that, um, but uh, I, I put this in because of that and also um, the, um, the lyrics. Um, but I thought that was interesting that it has some local heritage in it. Um, the Black Keys, you could say that's me stretching the, the boundaries of indie folk a little bit, yet I think they're on, they're within the category to a certain extent. Um, and you'll see that this has a much rougher, bluesy kind of sound to it. <laughs>
Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this already. The the last song and this song again with the the four that I'm I'm choosing. There's a certain level of a struggle with the human sort of predicament and and condition in a way that at least for me like really resonates. The sinister kid is a kid who runs to meet his maker. Uh, the, the boy with a broken halo. Like when I hear that, I just like that's me. You know, I mean, it really resonates with me to a certain extent. So it's not also it's not just about the explicitness of the um, the faith references, but a very perceptive understanding of the problem of being a person. Um, maybe not truly having the artist having an understanding of the fall, but yet, and who knows. Um, and yet producing um, something uh, that struggles with pain that I can resonate with, at least. Um, and so there's that, hopefully, throughout each of these um, four songs. This one, the next one, um, is actually, remember I said that the the faith references could be a sort of, um, it's in the DNA of the folk genre, the bluegrass genre. This is actually originally composed by Woody Guthrie in the 1930s. Um, and so, um, so here's uh, a group, uh, uh, Billy Bragg, also with a group called Wilco, um, reproducing that song uh, for the 21st century. Uh, and you know, um, this kind of thing. I don't know if you could buy it at like Barnes and Noble, but you definitely get it on Amazon. And a lot of people I know um, love Wilco, who aren't necessarily people of faith. Um, and here we have it.
I'm going to go straight to the next song because last time I did a terrible job at allowing time for discussion. Uh, so we'll listen to this and we'll have about 10 minutes to wrap things up. This is uh, Sigh No More, which is the uh, title track to uh, the, um, this album by uh, Mumford & Sons who are from England and are huge. If you haven't heard of them, where have you been? <laughs> So uh, let's talk. Uh, can anything good come from an indie folk revival? Or whatever you want to say. 
uh, <laughs> I open it up to you uh, for some interaction or, or questions, thoughts, and I'll have a, a final word. I have something else to say. And that last one, I really like that he has an alignment to cry out my heart to see. I think alignment is pretty insightful here. What about it in particular? Well, alignment would be in line with, with God. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Being right. Be. Yeah, right relationship, perhaps. Yeah, there is a right relationship um, um, out there. <laughs> uh, perhaps, yeah. Cool. Taylor? The last uh, Wilco CD I had, I was going about 80 miles an hour down I-20, heading to Atlanta, and I'd been listening, 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 listen, and I just ejected it, rolled the window down, and threw it out the window. <laughs> and this didn't sound like Billy Bragg. I mean, Billy Bragg, I know, this is a real cockney. Uh-huh. But anyway, Woody Guthrie's song, to me, is pretty self-righteous in a sense. It seems like he's so sure uh-huh. that, you know, he's clean, that he is, um, you know, been washed and spotless, and to me, that's a dangerous way to think about. That would be dangerous for me to think that my relationship with God was that pure, um, as opposed to, um, you know, the sinister kid with the broken halo who I kind of think I am, um, where I got a lot of work to do, or at least I understand. Yeah. If I understand myself as having a broken halo, then I really appreciate the great gift of God's grace. Sure, yeah, yeah. Isn't that fascinating that the one that resonates with you more is less almost explicitly Christian, uh, whereas this one, the blood of the lamb one, like on face value, if you just pick up the words, you know, is using a lot of really Christian talk. Um, but so maybe that um, that that last verse I str- not the second to last verse I struggle with because it I mean you could make a case like it's slipping into works righteousness or you could or you could say um, you know like I've been washing the blood of the lamb and um, this is the the fruits of that um, thanks for the comment uh, I did sort of have some of those thoughts a little bit um, while I was listening to this but overlooked it uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know too much about him. Does anybody else? He wandered around and couldn't get a job. And, uh, he had a hard moment. Troubadour? Sorry. Well, no, not exactly. Yeah. I, I don't remember what the story was. But, I think it was just a Depression-era folk singer that yeah. kind of, you know, talked about the hard, or sang about the hard life that everyone had at that time. Mm. Well, he was a true socialist. Historically, he was a socialist. Okay. A lot of his work, he, he worked in, like, factory settings. and uh-huh. bring a guitar to work. Huh. And he would sing about like the strife of the hardship of what they're having to do. It's kind of, where he kind of it's like a proto Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah, the Billy Bragg that I knew was kind of like right. Billy Guthrie. That didn't sound like Billy Bragg. I don't, I don't think he sounds self-righteous only because of the blood of the lamb keeps being repeated. Hmm. But uh, the assurity of it, um, you know. Yeah, you could go back and forth uh, uh, on that. Um, uh, golly, I hope I am. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like... Uh, well, it's, kind I, of, it's great to have the two songs back to back because you remind yourself you have that breaking headline. Yeah. Here's the good news. Well, that's interesting, the relationship bet- across mm-hmm. these, uh, between each other. I just think it's interesting that 
you've got all this music that is of this kind of same genre. There's this quasi-message in a world that is that says absolutely not mm -hmm. to this. And so, you know, is there hope in an indie folk festival? I mean, I guess I would see it as, you know, especially like, you know, the church, churches in Europe, for instance, are being turned into all kinds They don't of exist, yeah. And um, that aren't churches, yeah. and yet there's this, I mean, I think of music as really, to some extent, really kind of the heart of what's going on in the culture. And so, I don't know, I just wonder what you're, you're into this a lot, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I know, and um, yeah, uh, I didn't. I don't feel like I, I noticed um, what's going on here as much 10, 15 years ago. But that might have just been because I was younger, um, you know. Uh -huh. um, but uh, there is a certain appropriation of um, this genre and and these words that people are kind of comfortable with. Um, and so uh, I'll, I'll give you my final thought. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is where I'm headed. I mean, it's a three-part series, and there's kind of a progression. For those of you, last time we talked about Take Me to Church from both Hosier and Sinead O'Connor. So you could like kind of say they're the blue circle. And it was, with Hosier, it's basically nihilistic, uh, if you pay attention. Uh, is there any hope? The hope out there is in drugs and sex, basically, if you pay any attention. I didn't say this last time because there was a child in the room, but I think he was talking about S-E-X <laughs> in that song. Um, and so church meant that for him. And with Sinead O'Connor, it's confusion. Um, and, but those are the people that I have a heart for, at least as a minister and a, a, you know, a person. I have a real heart for them. I used to be that person. Uh, and um, this week, talking about indie folk, you could say, is a secular genre basically, and yet there's something different going on there than in the Hosier song and the Sinead O'Connor song. Um, uh, it, it's moving closer toward um, an explicit Christian understanding, yet might not exactly have it. So someone could be a, a, a nominal Christian and, and write these songs and, and not necessarily be super faithful or they could be an atheist and say oh this is just kind of cool because i liked woody guthrie you know and so i'm gonna um i'm gonna retune his songs and so next week i'm gonna talk about church music um and you could say that that's the circle here and the question next week is may we retune old hymns um there's a movement of folks before i get to that i'll say Sinead o'connor and hosier i think um Someone like them, or whatever they represent, I can't speak for them as individuals, would ha would not resonate with and probably want to vomit over some of the Christian music that we produce. Um, it just it, it won't resonate with that kind of person. Um, and so what church music will? Um, what What's right here, kind of? Do you see what I'm saying? Um, that's where I'm going at. And there's a movement of people right now who are trying to produce music like that uh, because they like it. Uh, it speaks to them, and they, and they realize it might speak to, it speak to both the lost and the found. Um, it speaks to me. And, um, for example, you know, uh, 
a non-Christian can often go to a funeral and not be offended by amazing grace. Well, why is that? Because it, it they're used to it or something. It's just, it's out there and uh, it's historic. Um, what's going on with a song like Amazing Grace um, that we could tap into? Um, and there are other um, sort of old songs that people are trying to reset to modern arrangements, modern instrumentation, um, uh, because it's the modern expression. It's in the, the vernacular of the 21st century. And also because uh, it speaks to the same depths often. Hymns are really great and deep in the same way that uh, the Black Keys were with the Sinister Kid. Um, whereas some uh, contemporary Christian music doesn't always get down there. It, it skims the surface. Some does, but not all does. Um, so that's where I'm going to head in week three. <laughs> Uh, and and we'll, we'll play with it, and I hope you'll uh, join me again. And uh, and you and you don't have to agree with me. Maybe you'll think, I still think, Matt, that all good music was written before the 20th century. So that's that's fine. You can you can believe that if you want. <laughs> um, uh, so go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.